In this day of strategies and plans by the evil ones, saith the Lord, I have set the church on high and have released special counter strategies in order to not only thwart his plans and strategies, but to set my church on high, that they might not only prevail in this day, but in those days and ages yet to come. So pay attention, saith God, to the Holy One inside, as the word of God is revealed and poured forth in these days, that you might know in order to go, that you might have understanding of the times that you live in, and that the things are not in vain that have been set aside just for you. So as you rise up, saith God, know that the hour has been prepared for you. This is your time to have the victory. This is your time to be a demonstrator. This is your time that all things that Jesus has done would come and be shown forth in this hour, saith the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we believe that. Amen. Well, everybody loves somebody tonight. Tell them you're glad they're here and you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Well, we've prayed and we've prophesied and we've uh, sang and worshiped and praised God. And I'm glad you're here and you are at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Um, As I was um, spending time with the Lord in the last... Uh, you know, for a, well, for a couple of weeks or so, I've had things on my mind and on my heart concerning finances. And uh, so one day, the Lord just came up out of my spirit, and I wrote it in my book, and uh, that I keep. You know, I have a notebook that I keep with me while I'm praying and studying, and in the mornings and all day, any time of the day that I do that. But primarily in the morning is a time that I I spend with the Lord. But anyway. Um, I wrote down, declare war on lack. And I really did not know the significance of it when I got it. But then God began to minister to me. And through the scriptures, he always ministers to us through the word. And things begin to develop and come forth. And he said um, that this was an emergency message to this church especially. It could be to the whole body of Christ, but it is especially for you. One thing for sure we know it's for is for y'all. Hallelujah. But it could be for the whole body, and I'm sure they'd get some good out of it. But emergency message on finances to you here at Word of Life Church. You might say to yourself, why now? Why, why now is this emergency message from the Lord on finances coming forth? And I'll give you some reasons. One reason is, is that we have been bombarded. Everyone is being bombarded right now with news of escalating gas prices. In fact, that's just about all they can talk about on TV, the internet, and so forth, is the price of gas, the price of food. And it's a time that, as the body of Christ, we must set our faces like flint for what's ahead, for what is on the horizon. The Bible says in Psalm 112, verse 7, and this is how we're to be, that we will not be afraid of evil tidings. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And so anything that's not quite gelled up where that's concerned, we must get that firm, that our heart is fixed, that we are not afraid of evil tidings. I don't care if they come to us and say next week that it's $10 a gallon. Uh, And nothing could surprise probably all of you by now. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
but our heart is totally fixed. We're trusting in the Lord and we're not afraid. It does not move us, not one bit. Sometimes we need to understand why is all of this going on? And one of the things we have to understand is the earth, since the Garden of Eden, has been operating under a double kingdom. There's the world kingdom, and it's cursed, right? It is, op- and, and there are uh, judgments for the world kingdom. There's the kingdom of God, which we know that we've already been judged by when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that the blood paid for our judgment. And we do not, we're not incurring the judgment of God. It's not coming, uh, is not coming to us unless we get out in that kingdom, that other kingdom. Now, if we step over in that other kingdom, then we will experience what they are experiencing. And that's one of the things this meeting is about, is we got to stay in our kingdom. We got to stay where we have been put, bought, what we've been paid for by the blood of Jesus. What, what's been paid for, we got to stay in that. And um, because when we get into the other kingdom, you can read throughout the Word of God the curses and the things that are, are, that are out there, and we see those things happening in the earth. I know, and when we, there are two, Brother Hagin said this, I remembered this this afternoon, that God said He would judge a man on spiritual things a lot faster than He would on natural things. In other words, He's going to judge a person that messes with His kingdom or messes with Israel, or something like that, he will judge a situation like that a lot quicker than he will even something like adultery and things like that. Sometimes in the church, we get all uptight over adultery, and certainly we're not for it. We're totally against it, and you will suffer if you get into it. But um, some of the most more serious things in the church, we're not even so much concerned about. I mean, we look at it and we go, that's really unfortunate. But there are judgments that are going on in the earth right now that are coming against the United States. And a lot of times people say, oh, God's judging the United States because of abortion. Well, he might be, but he's judging the United States about some other things a lot quicker. You know, uh, one of the things that is causing, I think, tremendous uh, weather situations, that flooding. And, and you know, um, when, the, when the curse, God's not up in heaven saying, y'all made a bad decision in the United States. Here it comes. No, he's not doing that. But he already told us in his word what would happen to people that messed with Israel. He already told us what was going to happen to the people that tried to divide the land of Israel. And the United States right now is in big negotiations, Condoleezza Rice. I mean, I, I like her. She's from Alabama. I, I, I have a, you know, I have a tenderness in my heart for her, but she's, she is not, I'm sure she's just going because somebody pointed her that way, but, but the things that she's doing, last week on Thursday, this past week, she met with Hamas, which is a terrorist group. And you know, President Bush has said all this time, we don't negotiate with terrorists, terrorists, but we meet with Hamas, which is a Iranian-inspired terrorist group. And so these things uh, cause us to come out of that, that protective side of the kingdom of God and get over into the things, the judgments that are in the word that are, that are promised. And so we have, um, we have uh, 
they say record-breaking tornadoes, record numbers of record flooding, uh, all sorts of things like that. It, just a couple of three years ago, I'm not sure exactly now, don't have those dates wrote down, but I, I personally strongly believe with all my heart that the reason we had four tornadoes in 12 months, no, excuse me, Four hurricanes in 12 months in Alabama is when we turned the Ten Commandments down and said you can't put that in our in our government buildings in Alabama and we got out from under you know this and so there's this world that we live in that's got judgment against it and we have to walk with God closely and we can avoid any repercussions from gas prices? I believe that gas prices are high right now. I believe it's a judgment. I believe it's, uh, you know, uh, has to do with Israel. And, you know, you, we can't just trace it back to the exact thing. But I think it has to do with Israel and things like that. And we live in this world and we have to use gas. But there's a way in God for us to have it... Even though we have to go to the gas pump, we have to put gas in, we have to pay those prices for it to affect the world but not affect us. And so that's some of the things we need to talk about tonight is how do we go to the gas pump and pump gas that's $4 a gallon or whatever it might get to be. It's not, I, there's no telling what's coming. And so um not trying to scare you tonight but I am trying to make us aware that, that we're supposed to be walking in the secret place of the Most High. And that's not just for protection, but that's for overcoming anything that might come against this world system. Amen? And so um, it's not just for protection in earthquakes and protection in tornadoes and hurricanes and, and all those kind of things, but we have a, we, there, there's a divine place for us to walk financially. Hallelujah. But we're going to have to change some things to get there. Now tonight, you're going to hear some things. This meeting is intended not to be a rebuke. It is not a rebuke. But it is intended to be a faith booster. A faith stimulator, if you will. You know, you could go to Lowe's and you can buy something called root stimulator to put on your plants. I didn't know if you knew that. But you can, you can, <laughs> you can stimulate some things so that something start, starts happening to that plant. And God wanted to give you a faith stimulator tonight, a faith booster. First of all, you know, straighten out our thinking, get us thinking right. Because if you're thinking wrong, you're going to be saying wrong. Hallelujah. And... Uh, <laughs> he also, in this message that God's got for you tonight, he's got, uh, and, and this is a Holy Ghost meeting, any, anything could happen. You respond to the Holy Ghost. Man, if something hits you, flow with it, okay? And, uh, um, but also in tonight, it's, it's not a rebuke, but there are, there are warnings to the body of Christ, specifically to this body. There are warnings tonight. And God would not be a good God if he did not warn us when we had not fully done or we're not fully doing what he had called us to do. Amen. So Hebrews 3, 6 says, but Christ as a son over his own house. I hope you'll write down these scriptures. I purposely did not write them down for you. You need to write them down and you need to look them up and meditate on them. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are we if we hold fast, say hold fast, hold fast. 
the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Say, until the end. Say, hold fast until the end. We have to do that. We have to hold fast. You know, in this church, God has given us a bunch. You are a well-taught people. Um, this is a very pleasant place. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny because it's kind of hidden and nobody really knows it. But there was such, there, I mean, that was wonderful praise and worship. There was such faith, and, and, and you know, God is really pleased with this church. He's not displeased with this church, but He's requiring more of this church of you. He's requiring more of you because of the things you've heard and know than He is of other people. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. But there's a real good turn to that. You can say also, to whom much is required, much is given. And so the more that God requires of you, the more that He will give to you. Hallelujah. And he has more that he wants to give to this church, so he's requiring us to make some changes. We sang about change in that song. He's requiring us to make some turns. He's requiring us to do some things different. He's, he's perfecting that which concerns us because he wants to give this church more. Because God, this church has responded positively to the things that he has given us thus far. Hallelujah. And we have made some changes. And, and, and so he, he wants for us to go ahead and make the full turns, make the changes, uh, uh, repent if we need to, adapt, change, and, 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 and so that he can pour even more through this church to the, to the, to the world, to, to Alabama. He wants to pour things through this church. Amen. He wants to pour revelation. He wants to pour, pour gifts. He wants to pour. Uh, 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 he wants to pour an end time move of God through this church. Is what he wants to do. He wants to, and we have got. It will not happen. We are at that place right now where we've gone as far as we can go without making some changes. We're going to have to make some changes because even in some senses, we 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 have. When when he said turn, we didn't turn. There's been a little turn made that a great majority of, of you, I'm not just talking to the body of Christ, you in this room and the members of this church didn't make the turn. And it's nearly too late. It's not too late, but if you don't make it quick, it'll be too late. Hallelujah. Time is so, so short. Time is so, so short. So you really, you've got to start believing how short time is. I, I want to say so much on how short time is. Hallelujah. But time is so short. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, uh, thank you, Jesus. Um, Azusa Street, 1906. Outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Pentecostal churches. The, what we came up in and what, what caused what everything, every one of us are a are a product of it in some degree or dimension. Birthed at Azusa Street, 1906, which I didn't realize this, 1906 to 1910. That's how long it lasted. Brother Seymour, who led the Azusa Street, for the most part he was the leader, prophesied that another wave of, like Azusa Street, would come to the United States a hundred years and that would have been, a, when he prophesied, it would be approximately 1909 to 1910. And the Azusa Street Saints believed 2,000 
2009 to 2010. 2009 to 2010, another wave, 100 years later. They believe the Azusa Street Saints, old timers, most of them are gone. They're dead now, most of them. Do you know the only thing we have now is people that sit at their feet and listen to their stories? You know, but uh, they believe that 2008 was a year of preparation. I believe it is too. Hallelujah. I believe God is putting the final touches on us. And so there's many choices to be made here in 2008. Amen. And so the time is short. I, I, I just feel to read this to you. I know it'll take some time, but uh, let me tell some background. This is the Shandong miracle. And this is in a, you know, the underground church in China in 1995. This happened. This is documented. It happened. The, these are little peasant people in rural part of China having an underground church meeting in a house recorded on a home tape recorder while they were singing in the spirit. But later when they listened to it, what happened at the meeting was not on the tape. But instead, there were angels on the tape singing in Mandarin, Chinese, a song. You can actually listen to the angels singing this song in Chinese on the internet. And here's what, I just want to read you the song that the Chinese, that the Chinese angels, I don't know if they were Chinese angels or just <laughs> angels, just angels that spoke, to, or all angels can speak all languages. Anyway, this is what they said. The famine is becoming more, this is what the Chinese angels sang. They went back and got interpreters to, to interpret what was on the tape. And, and, and they said that these peasants didn't even know these kind of things were going on in the world, in China. Because they're in a rural part of China and you know they don't get, they don't even let them have internet or TV and stuff, especially in 1995. The famine is becoming more and more critical. There are more and more earthquakes. The situation is becoming more and more sinister. Now this was all to song. These are verses to a song. People are fighting against each other, nation against nation. Disasters are more and more severe. The end, this is the course. The end is near. The revelation of love has been manifested. Rise up, rise up, rescue souls. The end is near. Rise up, rise up, rescue souls. Then the second verse. The whole environment is deteriorating. Disasters are more and more severe. People's hearts are wicked and they do not worship the true God. Disasters are more and more severe. And then the course, the end is near, the revelation of love has been manifested, rise up, rise up, rescue souls. The end is near, rise up, rise up, rescue souls. The third verse, floods and droughts are more and more frequent. There is more and more homosexuality and incurable diseases. Disasters are more and more severe. The course, the end is near, so forth, rescue souls, rescue souls. The fourth verse, the climates are becoming more and more abnormal. The earth is more and more restless. The skies have been broken. The atmosphere is distorted. Disasters are more and more severe. And then the chorus, rise up, rise up, rescue souls. Rise up, rise up, rescue souls. Oh, family, the end is so near. The end is so near. We cannot afford to live like our grandparents did even like our parents did, and say, oh, we've got many more years. Oh, I will grow old and have grandkids. No, you probably won't. But that's okay, because in seven years, you're going to come back to the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, life is going to be not normal because you're going to be in a resurrected body, but life is going to be you enjoying, actually, you're going to be enjoying life as God wanted it to be from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. 
Amen. So don't despair over, oh, I'm not going to get to have my grandkids, you know, or I'm not going to get to ever have kids, or I may not ever get to marry a man or a girl, you know. Hallelujah. You know, don't despair over, I was going to build a, I was going to build an empire. I was going to build a business. No, the time is short. The time is short. Even what we were doing 10 years ago, we were talking about a church that we know of that wants to build a huge campus. And you know, if they're doing it for the millennium, that's okay. But they wanted to build, they didn't just want a church building, they wanted a, you know, walking paths and tennis courts and baseball fields. There's not even, there's not time to build that. There's not time. I'm going to tell you, there is not time to build that. Hallelujah. Rise up, rise up, rescue souls. Amen. So uh, then uh, Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast. There that is again. Hold fast the profession of our faith. That's the confession. Profession is confession. The confession of our faith without wavering. Without wavering. See, that's what we've got to come here tonight to get. That we've got a confession, but we've got a lot of wavering in our confession. When times get hard, we waver. When we get around people who are worldly and they talk it, we talk it. There, you know, there's a temptation to just say, oh, yeah, gas prices are terrible, you know. you know, But but without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Hallelujah. Amen. Warfare against the church has escalated. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've noticed it. I've been noticing it for three or four years now, even against my own life. It's like, wow, you know, uh, <sighs> such a warfare. And uh, then in the last year, in the last six months even, hallelujah. Such an escalation of warfare. And when that starts happening in a church, there's two things you know. One thing you know is the people are in lack, and they shouldn't be. That the, when, when the church finances begin to be affected, the people of the church are in lack, and God does not want you to be there. And the second thing you know is the people aren't in faith. The people of the church are not in faith. And you know, I'm not saying no faith. I'm just saying their faith has been challenged and they've not, there's not, there hasn't been that thing inside them that's rose up to meet it. And so uh, things have to change and we have to, we have to embrace the Word of God. Okay. Revelation 3.11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast thou which thou, that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You know, whether we receive all the full reward that we're supposed to have in earth and in heaven, because some of the earth reward is in earth and some of it is in heaven, whether we receive full reward depends on whether we hold fast what we've been given. We have been given things and we have to hold fast to those. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It moreover, it is required, say required, required. in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is, re it is not an option to be faithful. It is required that stewards be found faithful. Amen. Luke 18, 8. I tell you that he will, uh, oh no, well, let me skip that part. 18, 8. Part B, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. We know that's the desire, God's desire. The desire of Jesus is that when he comes, he finds us in faith. 
He doesn't find a whipped down church. He doesn't find a church in lack. He doesn't find a church that's uh, physically beat up. But that, and, and hallelujah, he wants to find the church that's in faith. Amen. Turn to, now let's turn to a scripture, Malachi 3.18. And then we'll get started on some things. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Malachi 3.18. Now in 1980 was the first time I ever heard this scripture. And I heard a man talk about this scripture. And I've had it in my mind and heart ever since. That there was a day coming. Because I knew that in 1980, when I heard about this scripture, this scripture had, was not so. It was not come to pass. We were farmers, and uh, <laughs> you couldn't tell which farmers were godly and which ones weren't. In fact, some of the most ungodly farmers were very prosperous. Amen. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. The Lord spoke to me one day and he said, I've been telling you and announcing to the church, the whole body of Christ, I've been announcing for years that this day was coming. And you've probably heard in prophecies, if you didn't hear this scripture, at least you heard something prophetically come forth that said, you know, that you'll be able to, uh, the, the, I know you've heard the righteous are going to be so blessed and they're going to be uh, like an advertisement for God. And you know what I'm saying? You've heard things like that, which is really what this goes back to. That you would, that, that people would see you and you'd be an advertisement because you, they could see God on you. They could see the blessing of God on you. And so we've been hearing and hearing this announced by the Holy Ghost for years. And the Lord said to me one day, He said, this day is here. This day is here. It is now here. It is now here where you will be able to discern and see. And sometimes we've kind of seen it in little limited parts. I know in 2001, a tornado came through our neighborhood and you could kind of see. And sometimes I watch on the news when these tornadoes are uh, been in the Midwest this past spring and stuff, and they'll say, it just totally missed this house right here. Just nothing, not even nothing was moved. Uh, uh, but it just zapped and wiped out and completely tore down this house right next door to it. They'll talk about it on the news. I don't believe it's random. I don't believe it's just like, oh, well, you know, just freaky, freak of nature. I don't believe it's freak, a freak of nature. I believe that there's a, there is a difference. Hallelujah. I believe it's showing up more and more. And I believe the, 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 the day is. The day is now. But you know, uh, no, the, see, in the body of Christ, all of us are guilty. Humans are guilty of this. We want to believe and we want to think, God, you will just bless me right where I'm at. I don't have to change. I don't have to do anything different. I won't, and we, it's just kind of human nature to believe that that's going to happen. But folks, that is not true. We have to obey Him. We have to do what He says do in His Word. We have to change even if we think it will hurt us to change. We have to change and do what He says do. And we have a United States, at least, full of Christians. I'm not sure about the whole world. I think probably the rest of the world are more committed Christians. Because you know, when you, get, when you know you're going to die for going to church, 
you pretty much settle. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. You don't just drift in and out and all that. You settle it because it is a commitment. Amen. And so, um, but in the United States, we have just got such a bunch of wishy-washy Christians. And even in this church, we have too many people that are not 100%. Too much wishy-washy, too much uh, just hallelujah. If everybody that called Word of Life Church, their home church came, this church would be significantly bigger next Sunday morning. But we're wishy-washy, or whatever you want to call it, apathetic. And we truly believe, a lot of us, that God is going to bless us right where we're at. We don't have to make any changes. We don't have to serve. We don't have to be fully committed. We can stay home when we want to. We can, we can do all of these things, but none of that is true. Pastors preached over and over about how just being in the pew helps. The Bible says in Judges chapter 5, verse 23, that Miraz, Miraz, I think his name was, you can look it up, was cursed because he did not help. When we don't esteem and value and put a priority on God's kingdom, we, we by default live in a kingdom that God does not want us to live in. And it's a cursed kingdom. And so we struggle all the time and we fight all the time. And we, you know, and, and we always are dealing with lack and we're, you know, and I know some of you are saying, well, I've got lack and, you know, I'm fully committed. But, you know, there's other factors too. And we'll get to some of those. But we are fooling ourselves. If we believe, we talked about Wednesday night, that if we're going to have revival at Word of Life Church, if we're going to have an outpouring of God, we will have to contend for it. You know, I don't know where you picked up your exemption ticket. I don't have to pray. Where did you get your ticket? I don't have to come to all services. What, where did you pick that ticket up? It, your, your, your certificate of exemption. Where'd you get that ticket? Well, you, it ain't, you didn't, where did you get that ticket that, oh, you know, God doesn't care where I live. God doesn't care where I work. God doesn't care. Oh, no. He cares. He cares. He cares. Where did you get that ticket? You have picked up a ticket of grace that is beyond, it is not God's grace. Because of where you have placed yourself, God can't even extend to you the graces, the graces that He wants to give you. Well, where did you get your diploma that says, I know enough. I don't need to hear from God fresh all the time. Where did you get that? You bought a lie, I guess. Or maybe you looked out at another church and you said, well, they don't even have a midweek church, so it must be okay. There is a wake-up call. Hallelujah. Let's look at some scriptures on lack because we want to declare war on lack tonight. I think we've gotten a lot of the warning out of the way, hopefully. That was warning. I want you to write down these scriptures because you have to start stirring yourself with these scriptures. 
We won't look them all up. I'm going to quote some of them to you. Some of them we'll look up. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You need to start your day off with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack, I shall not decrease, diminish, or be limited. The New Living Translation says, the Lord is my, my shepherd, I have everything I need. Folks, stir yourself. Amen. Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Lord, when we have to start begging for something, you know you are not in obedience to God. You are wrong somewhere. Amen. Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all of my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, My God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need. A lot of the adjustment we need to make is a faith adjustment. I know myself. I See, I came to a point one day when I go, You know, I'm just not in faith. I'm letting fear operate here. And I have letting lack walk on me. I'm letting lack walk on me. And boy, I tell you something in me got mad and rose up. And what it rose up to was this. And I began to take my authority in Christ and I began to speak these scriptures. And the more I said them, the more I believed them. Because like Pastor, I loved what he said this morning. Y'all didn't hear it, but we heard it. And, and, and he said, you got to train your heart to believe these scriptures. And so some of you, I, if you're starting from scratch, man, you never even heard these scriptures. You need to go over and over and over and over them because you got to train your heart this way. Amen. So that your heart is fixed like we read before. Deuteronomy 28.8. You can turn to this one. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Say, I'm changing. Say, I'm changing right now. Deuteronomy 28.8. It is foolish not to judge ourselves. It is foolish to have things wrong and we know they're not working right, but we just keep on. No, we need to ask God, what's, what's wrong? And He will show us and we make the adjustment and we change. And you know, I know in 1980 when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, we changed everything in our life. We changed what we did in the evening. We changed what we did in the morning. We changed our whole life. We wanted to change. We said, Lord, well, you know, there's nothing like a huge farm debt that'll make you want to change. It's like, God, help me, and I am willing to change. But some of you are in desperate financial condition, and you need to slap yourself and say, you better change, sister. Amen. <laughs> That's the truth. And so we changed everything about our life. We cleaned out stuff that we had in our house that could bring anything that could bring any sort of an evil present. Anything we thought a demon might cling to. Because demons cling to objects. And we didn't have any Buddhas or anything like that, but we had Masonic Lodge stuff. I'm telling you, we had a cleaning out. We broke. I had a plate we broke. He ground down a gavel that wouldn't break. Hallelujah. Uh, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't break because it was plexiglass, not because a demon was fighting him. I've heard of that. I've actually heard of a demon fighting you on something. No, it was plexiglass and you couldn't break it. But he ground it down on a grinder. We, had, we cleaned. I got rid of 50-something owls. Now you say, I like owls. I don't. 
I don't know why. I just had something in my heart that said this isn't good. It was expensive. That was an expensive breaking party. And then they gossiped about us because it, because we had a Snoopy neighbor we didn't know that went through the dumpster every night. You know, if I threw away wrapping paper, she took it home and wrapped stuff with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so she told it all over town, you know, Miss Debbie broke all her wedding china. Well, I didn't. I still got it. Hallelujah. Right now, I still got it. But I did get rid of some. See, we were just drastically desperate to change. And we did change, and the blessing of God started just came on us. And it came on us so much that we've been blessed ever since. And we got to get that desperation in the body of Christ to change. And it may not be throwing away anything in your house, but it might be. I, I got rid of all Colin's Star Wars stuff. He was a little kid. He was three years old, I think, or something like that. And I got rid of that stuff. And you say, well, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. And uh, God don't care either. He ain't going to make it right just because you want it to be right. And, you know, they begin some of that stuff. But it start, some things they start, I just have noticed this in toys. They start out kind of clean and pure. Isn't this just like the devil? And then they slowly add magical and supernatural and occultic powers to it. And that's what some of his toys had begun. Hallelujah. And so we just, we just had a major overhaul in how we conducted our lives. And you know, and that was 1980. If you look at 1980 now, you'd go, everything we did was pure as the driven snow compared to now. I mean, it was just like, you, there wasn't no bad stuff then compared to now. What we thought was a bad movie now, now if you watch a movie that's 1980, or I've, I've watched some movies that are like 1954, and they said, you know, it was kind of risky or risque. My grandmother used to call risque risky. She'd say, that's risky. You know? But if it, they say, well, it was kind of risque for 1954, and we go, what? They're sleeping in twin beds. I mean, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> They kissed, and it was risque. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Okay, so change. Oh, did I have you go to Deuteronomy 28? 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee. Say, command the blessing. I like this. In thy storehouses. We talked about that message a few uh, month or two ago. Storehouses. And here's another place he commands the blessing. And in all that thou settest thy hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's a qualification here. I don't know if you picked up on it. You're going to get the commanded blessing. You've got to be in the land that he told you to be in. You've got to be in the place he told you to be in. You know, we's like, oh, yeah, I want God to heal me. But we say, oh, we're having a healing crusade. Well, I can't make it. My grandmother, my little grandmother used to say, you've got to be at the spout where the glory comes out. And that, was, that is good advice. Amen. And, and, and literally, we would, drive, we would drive three and a half hours for a one-night meeting and drive home that night just to be at the spout where the glory came out. Of course, we were also 20-something years old. So now we would have to spend the night in a hotel. Anyway, <laughs> he also puts, he puts the blessing on your storehouses, the commanded blessing, and on what you put your hand to. 
in the land which the Lord gives you. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. I'm going to read this one to you. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Christ has redeemed me. Say, Christ has redeemed me. From the curse of the law. Praise God. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We are redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. If we are experiencing poverty, we are redeemed from it. There's a reason. We've got to activate faith. we're, We're passive. Sometimes when I talked about not being in faith, we cannot be passive. Our faith has to be activated. We can have a passive sort of faith. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know we're redeemed. I know we're supposed to prosper. I know Jesus uh, healed me. That's passive. No, we have to have an aggressive faith. Amen. An aggressive faith. Redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Amplified, enriched, abundantly supplied. Oh, hallelujah. Say, I have been made rich. Say, at the new birth, I was made rich. Isaiah 53, 5. This one's good. Let's turn there. Isaiah, they're all good, but some of them just rev my motor. Now, I'm confessing these. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had let it slip. Some, one reason I had let my diligent speaking and declaring and enforcing the word of, of faith for my finances and I had let lack creep in was because I was diligently enforcing the word for my healing. And I got so focused over on healing. But one thing I found when I began to do this is that I could incorporate a lot of healing into some of these scriptures. Amen. Isaiah 53, 5. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Are, are y'all there? But he, he was wounded and so forth. But you're going down. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement. See, at the same time that he bore stripes for your healing, the chastisement for your peace. Now, that's not just talking about tranquility. And that's not just talking about an inward peace that passes all understanding, although we're all for that and we want that. And that is included. But the peace there is the word shalom, and it means wellness, safety, health, prosperity, and peace. It is the Hebrew word for prosperity. The chastisement for your prosperity was on him. And we know that from the scripture we just read, that he became poor for your sakes. Amen. Is there going to be a lot of sacrifice to change? There's going to be some. You have to, yeah, it's work. It's work to get kids to church. It's work to get babies to church. It's work. I know I've been there. I've been there to a church. We, we were going to a church that was just starting, and there was no nursery. And Eric was a baby. He was an infant. And he, I took him in a stroller, and we sat, and he sat in a stroller beside me. And when he cried, I went to the car because there was no other room to even go to. We were in a community center. And I went to the car and sat in the car with the air conditioner running and sometimes went to the Dairy Queen and got a coat during church. But I bet you know, I had to take him out. And, uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then sometimes he'd get quiet. I'd get him settled down. We'd come back in. Amen. 
John 10, 10. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm not in any hurry. Amplified says that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. John 5, 24. I have passed from death unto life. I have, say I have, I have. already I passed, passed from death unto life. Amplified says, I have already passed over and out of death into life. You've already, it's already happened. Some people say, you know, you ever hear somebody say about a man that died, they'd say, well, he passed last week. Well, I've already passed. I passed already. I passed from death unto life. Now, there's no more passing. Hallelujah. I may go home, but I'm not passing. I passed already. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. What, a, oh, what an awesome thing to be able to say about yourself. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Thank God that's not us. I hope that's not you. Uh, and he which soweth bountifully. I, I believe for the most part in this church, we really do have a heart to sow bountifully. But we got to get out of lack. Because wanting to sow bountifully and sowing bountifully, how many of you know is two different things? And the results from sowing bountifully, and you know, sometimes we will stretch, stretch, stretch for some things, but we wouldn't stretch any for God. And we got to stretch sometimes for God. He asks me to stretch all the time. And I don't think He's any respecter of persons. He asks me to stretch for Him. In fact, I've been stretching for God in my giving for years. And I can honestly say, I've never been where my needs weren't met. I've never been. My kids were supplied in their college educations, and we didn't put a penny back for it. Not one penny, because we were always stretching for God. And one time I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, and he, they were, I think Colin was about 7th or 8th grade, and I just realized, you know, oh, we're not putting anything back for college educations. And I'm not saying one way or another, you, it, but you do, you cannot put back for college educations and say, and leave, and just say, God, we'll deal with you another day. And you say, well, but my kid might not be smart enough, or might not, you, you still got to leave it in God's hands. But the Lord said to me that day, I said, Lord, we're not, we're not preparing for this, and, and I'm concerned a little bit down on the inside. And he said, Debbie, you do what you're doing. You seek first the kingdom. I'll take care of it when the time comes. And you know what he did? He did. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so we have to stretch. You will have to stretch now. You will have to stretch your whole life for God. The thing that you thought was you were going to get to put back for you, God will say, I want you to give that. You'll have a garage sale and you'll think, oh boy, I'm going to get to spend this money or I'm going to get to pay some bills. But I'm going to tell you honestly, you know, you will be, if you will sow to God, he will take care of the bills. And some people just have a look. Their heart is just so fearful, so tight about giving. Their heart's just like, I'm, but I'm scared. And I, I, and I just don't feel like I'm being responsible. But we have to obey God. Amen? We have to trust Him. Okay, I sow bountifully. And I, I, uh, which he, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Say, I sow bountifully, I, sow bountifully. I, reap bountifully. I reap bountifully. 
And then it goes on to say, Every man, according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Well, sometimes we use that as excuse, say, well, I, I'm not going to give this because I can't give it cheerfully. No, that's not the excuse. What we have to do is make the judgment and get cheerful. <laughs> Y'all aren't laughing. But we have to make the adjustment and get cheerful. There's been times God asked me to give something, and I went, hmm. You know, I've had, you know, $500 come in for my birthday one time, and I, I'm like, I always rat hole that money. Do you all know what rat hole means? But I always have a place in my billfold. It don't go with regular cash. It goes with cash. You don't spend on groceries. You don't spend it on. That is my birthday money. It is like sacred money. But folks, you cannot imagine how many times that I'd been getting a service. In fact, I told Pastor, I said, I don't like to come to a service with you because uh, the Holy Ghost gets a hold of my money. Every, yeah, I'm teasing him, of course. I got an oil check last week and put it in my purse and came to church. I, you know, and guess what? The Holy Ghost said, sow that. But you know, God never tells us to sow something so he can decrease us. He always tells us to sow something because he says, because I want to increase you. I want to give you something better than a $43 oil check. I, why, you explain to me why gas goes up and my oil check doesn't change any. Or, you know, for a while there it seemed like they were getting smaller. Now, $43 was a big one. Hallelujah. And so, but God said, won't you give that? And, you know, he'll never make you. And I could have gone home and he, I wouldn't have even been convicted. But, hallelujah, there's nothing like sowing bountifully and giving cheerfully. And so I got cheerful about it. But I did tease him about it. Because, you know, he said, we're all going to sow a seed. That, that's what he said. And so I said, oh. Because I was giving a tithe. But that's not sowing a seed. And so I was tithing. And he said, sow a seed. So I said, okay. Amen. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency. Say, God makes all grace abound toward me. Say, I always have all sufficiency in all things. Say, I abound to every good work. Amen. And then it goes on to say, verse 10, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, say, God gives me seed to sow and bread to eat. And he multiplies my seed sown and increases the fruit of my righteousness. These are God's promises to you. You have never given in vain. You have never sown a seed and given in vain. You have never sown a seed that doesn't change your life and increase you. Hallelujah. Uh, this is one of my favorite. Go to Romans 5, 17. No, yeah, go there and I'll read you two more on the way. Psalm 37, 4. I delight myself in the Lord and He gives me the desires of my heart. Say, I have God's desires. Luke 6, 38. I give and it's given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over men given to my bosom. Now, sometimes I just go wild on this one. I say, Father, I give, and it is given unto me. Everywhere I go, men give to me. I get checks in the mail. I thank you for it. I get, uh, you, uh, you, I thank you, Lord, people come to my house and give to me. I thank you, Father, people give to me everywhere I go. I thank you, Lord, and I just get to rolling on this. You've got to get aggressive with your faith and with the expression of your faith. 
Because what does the Bible say? We have what we say. How many of you has it been six months since you say, don't raise your hand, but on the inside raise it. It's been six months since you've even said, I give, it's given unto me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over men given to my bosom. I bet you there's people in here that on the inside, they went, I have to admit, I hadn't said that. I hadn't said it in a month. I hadn't said it in two months. I would have had, you know, I have myself had to say, you know, I'm not speaking what I believe to be true. And Brother Hagin said we got to say, we got to do three times more speaking than we do believing. And sometimes I'm believing up a storm and not speaking as much as I am believing. Three times more speaking than you do believing. Amen. So that means you don't even have time to listen to the radio. Because you're speak everywhere you go, you, you kind of have to spend it speaking. Uh, Romans 5.17. This is a, a favorite scripture. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, say much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Shall reign. You know, this has two applications. When you reign in life, reigning is like a, a king. And we are king's kids. That used to be kind of popular in the charismatic days. We're king's kids. And we reign as king's kids. In other words, we are supposed to be living like kings. But also it has another application. And unless you take this other application, you won't ever have that application. Is reigning means to rule. You have got to take your authority that God has given you. And even though other people are praying for you, Pastor and I are praying for you. I know Colin and Chris are praying for you. And other people in this church are praying for you. But uh, you have got to take your own authority and you've got to rule over your circumstances. You've got to tell Lack, you better get out of here, Lack. I ain't putting up with you anymore. And I am commanding money to come to me now in Jesus' name. And I command the angels who are responding to whatever we say. Unless we say something, they're just standing there. I command the angels to go and cause money to come to me. I command the angels, you go and you cause money to come to me and the churches, Word of Life Church and Faith Life Church, and don't stop until every bill is paid. Don't stop until every debt is paid off. Don't stop until our storehouses are full. Don't stop until the buildings are complete and the, and, and the equipment is all new. And after that, angels, I'll give you further instructions. That's what I told them. And then I say it again I don't, the next day. I mean, I'm like, just in case you didn't hear angels, I'm not going to have any loafing angels on my watch who are sitting around doing nothing because I hadn't opened my mouth and told them what to do. Or maybe you're just only using your angels to protect you from a car wreck or to take care of your kids at school, which is good, but you have more. They can do more than that. And I even added some more stuff that I won't even go into that I don't stop until this and this and this. But I won't go into that right now. <clears throat> Psalm 35, 27. God has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. God has pleasure in my prosperity. Say that. He has pleasure in your prosperity. God is not, re he is not ple having pleasure. That means He's not pleased with where you're at right now. But He's not going to do anything about it. He'll, he'll help you by speaking to you with the, by the Holy Ghost and he's speaking to you tonight. This is a big wake-up call. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and if you are already doing this, then it's a wake-up call. Get more aggressive. Get more aggressive. 
Amen. Because there's things coming that you're going to have to, you're going to have to be aggressive about this. Because there's things coming that are going to fight you in your mind. One prophet of God that I truly trust. I believe he's balanced. He said the gas prices are going to, he saw this in a vision several years ago, are going to get so high that trucks are not going to run and there's going to be shortages in grocery stores and stuff because trucks aren't, the trucks aren't running. Not because there's a shortage of food supply, although with corn and stuff like that, we know that there's some of that is even possible. But that's one thing he said. So I'm going to have to be aggressive. I'm going to have, have to be aggressive that I will not lack. I will not lack. Well, I'm going to go stock my pantry with a lot of food. Well, you might want to put a little back, but I tell you, you'd be better off to sow a seed. And you better get right with God. Because if you're right with God, I don't, he, he is not limited. Hallelujah. I can't wait to get to that part. Galatians 3, 9. Then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Who gets blessed? Who gets blessed? Faith. You don't get, God, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you believe for. They which be of faith. It's important that we get in faith, that we get our faith activated, stimulated, not passive. Hallelujah. And when you're faith, when you're in faith and you're not passive, I'm telling you, you'll be bouncing all over this church. You'll be bouncing and jumping and running and you'll be sucked because you're not, you're not in that passive. God bless me if you can get my attention because I'm just really distracted because I'm so tired. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, where I, I want to go back to where did you get your little certificate that says, but I'm, the only, I'm one that's kind of exempt from this. I don't really have to seek first the kingdom of God, and I'm still believing all things will be added unto me. It's not going to happen. Why are you kidding yourself? Why am I kidding myself? And I have before. I've been convicted in my heart before and just said, you know, I need to get up and do something. I need to go pray. But, mm, you know, and had a million excuses. And just, but you know what? I was still hoping God would bless me. But you know, God didn't until I turned it around. I turned it, I did, I turned it around. You know how I turned it around? I struggled for two years. I've always prayed in the morning, always. My kids can vouch for me. Not always, but ever since we got filled with the Holy Ghost. Ever since I learned to pray in 1984. And I've always prayed in the morning. Sought first the kingdom of God in prayer in the morning. Kids can vouch for me on that. And I'm telling you, it paid off in their lives. It really did. It paid off. But, two, but uh, over two years ago, I didn't quit praying, but I was struggling. And it's like, I am not productive in prayer in the morning. I'm just not, it, I, I'm, it's time to go to work before I get it done. And I'm just like, what am I? And I couldn't figure it out. And I was just like, God, this is just not producing. Help me, Lord, help me. And I sought Him for quite some time about what it was. And it was something so simple. Do you know what it was? It was the newspaper. And one day God showed me. He prayed, you know, when Pastor preached on, what did you preach on? The law of the first. He preached on that, and I got so set free. You, we canceled the Tuscaloosa News. And I don't read the paper first. It turned my whole life around because I made a change. And nothing changed until I made the change. Because something was wrong. Is I had gotten where I wasn't putting first things first. 
I was doing something else first. And you may have other situations. I don't know what God's requiring of you. But I do know this. You do not have a certificate of exemption for not seeking first. That means first in priority in, in, in time, but it also means uh, first in quantity and quality of time. Romans 8.32, God freely gives to me all things. Oh, I love that. Say, God freely gives to me all things. And then write this down, and you can look this one up. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is alive. We know that. So when you're speaking the Word of God, you're speaking something that's full of life. Hallelujah. And when you talk about and complain and murmur, and, and maybe it's not even a complaining and murmuring, maybe it's more just an observation. Gas prices and, and oh, you know, it's costing us a lot more now, and we have a lot more expenses now. And when you talk that stuff, that, I'll tell you, that's not full of life. But the Word of God is full of life. And the Word of God has, a, has the power to put you over in a different realm so that, you know, gas prices don't mean the same thing to you as it does to your next-door neighbor. Amen? And it shouldn't mean the same. Joshua 1.8, I meditate in the Word of God day and night. I make, my, I make my way prosperous and I have good success. What are you thinking about? Because meditation is mulling over the word of, are you thinking those kind of thoughts? I make my way prosperous and I have good success because I meditate in the word, word of God day and night. That's how you make your way personal. Now, if we're going to turn around, if you're going to turn around your, your situation, the lack, we're going to turn it around tonight. You, you getting the word in you, the faith to turn it around. And you're going to have to sow a seed. We're going to sow a seed. Number two, we're changing what we've been saying. We're going to change what we're saying because we're going to start saying the word more. But we're also going to quit saying some things. Amen? And then thirdly, you're going to have to be obedient. God said, tell them they have to be where I say be, do what I say do, and do it with a right heart. And that brings us to Isaiah 119, which is another one of my very favorite promises in the word of God. And you will not get around this. He said, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. That means the best that Tuscaloosa County has to offer. Might not be the best in New York City, but you will eat the good of this land that he has put us in if you be willing and if you be obedient. Now, sometimes we are willing. We have all good intentions. And a lot of people in here, listen, I love this church. I'm full of love for y'all. And I believe we have a lot of people with really, really good hearts that are really willing and their heart is full of love for God but they just don't get around to obeying they procrastinate they make excuses they yeah, excuse themselves they've somehow written themselves out a certificate of exemption but they have good hearts I'm giving you a vote of confidence that I personally believe and only God can judge your heart that you mostly have good hearts now but but, but we've all been there I've been there when I was being obedient, but it's like, God, I'll do this, but I do not want to. And, and you, I'm sure you've been there too. You do not get the reward for, I will do it, but I do not want to. And I will say that, you know, that's one reason youth don't get more blessed than they are, do sometimes. Because they're coming, because their parents made them, but they don't have willing hearts. And they got to get willing. And, and I'm not saying a little, I'm not saying quit making them because I believe if they live in your house, you should make them. But you will realize that they, and I believe something gets through. 
and seeds are planted, but they're going to have to get willing to get the full blessing. And then, but, but a lot of times I've been, I think I've been probably in this position more where I was real willing to serve God. I, my heart is turned toward God. I love Him. I want to do what He wants me to do, but I have a sin sometimes of procrastination, putting off things, uh, mm, or, you know, making excuses. Well, Lord, when I get my computer fixed, well, you, you know, whatever, da-da-da-da-da. So we have to be willing and obedient if we're going to eat the good of the lamb. Isaiah 48, 17. Bible says he teaches thee to profit. That's one of the things God's doing for you to hear tonight. He's teaching you to profit. You say, well, I, we, I think we need prosperity school. Well, you're getting it tonight. Deuteronomy 28, 2. We've already been in Deuteronomy, but I will look back there and tell you what the first part of Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy 28, 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, all the blessings that are listed there. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. See, blessings come on us and overtake us when we hearken. Hearken means to listen and obey. Not just listen. We got a lot of people listening at Word of Life Church, but we need some more obedience. Listen and obey. Listen to God and obey. Listen to the Word. Uh, you know, if it says it in the Word, God doesn't have to speak it to you personally. And He won't. Hallelujah. Even if you're going to mess up, He expects you to go to the Word and find out. Psalm 68, 19, He daily loads us with benefits. Oh, hallelujah. He daily loads me. Say, He daily loads me with benefits. Matthew, Matthew 21, 21. Thank you, Jesus. Now, these are things for you to speak out. These are scriptures for you to speak out over yourself, to declare, to boldly proclaim. Enforce them with your faith and with your authority. Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Debt and lack, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, it shall be done. So he said you had to have faith and doubt not. So one of the things that we need to do is we do have faith because you've been taught the word, but we have to aggressive, get aggressive with our faith, but we have to resist doubt. Refuse doubt. You know, when you have a thought of doubt or a thought of gas prices, something, you got to say, no, in Jesus' name, I resist that. That's a thought of doubt. Did Every thought of doubt is coming from the enemy. Amen? Or it's rising up from what's been planted in you in previous years by the enemy or by religion or whatever, which is the enemy. And so you have to resist doubt, refuse doubt, and you cannot fight doubt with thoughts. You cannot fight thoughts with thoughts. If you have a thought of doubt, you cannot fight it. If you have a thought of lust, you can't fight it with the thought. You have to get on it. And sometimes like we don't want to admit in front of God that we had a lust thought. But we need to say, in Jesus' name, I refuse that perverse thought. I refuse that in Jesus' name. I won't take that. I will not take a thought of adultery. In Jesus' name, I refuse it. I resist it. Satan, you get out of here. and You're not putting those kind of thoughts in my mind. And if you call it what it is, and you'll start resisting it aggressively out loud, I'm telling you what, the devil will get his tail out of there. He really will. He will run in fear, stark terror. Matthew 7. This is talking about contending. This Matthew 7. I don't know if you've ever seen it that way. 
Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We got to get aggressive and contend and keep on. Sometimes we do it one time at church when pastor says to, or maybe we even get stirred up once at home, but we just don't keep on asking, seeking, knocking. Amen. That's what contending is. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Uh, you, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now that is very important that you know you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You will never, if you don't know you're righteous, you'll always feel like you're unworthy of prosperity and healing and everything else. Proverbs 13, 20. It is a good man leaving the inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just or the righteous. You have got to know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus or you will not believe that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for you. And that's one thing you need to be saying. I thank you, Lord, that the, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for me. And I don't know how, when, but the wealth of the sinner is, is making its way into my hands. It makes its way into my hands. Amen. When God spoke to me about the war on lack, He said we had to get ourselves into a position of, of faith. Aggressive faith. And he said, in the day that we're coming into, there's going to be a lot of turmoil in the earth, and we know that. But where he wants us to walk is in a place of supernatural provision. And if we will aggressively believe it and say it, the prices of gas, the prices of food, the shortages that are in the earth, if there are any, they will not affect us. We will see them. We will even have to deal with them, but they will have little effect in our life, if any. It's like we will pay the price for gas. If you, are pay, if you feel like you are having less than you had a year ago just because gas prices are higher, then you need to activate your faith to a greater degree. Because God, it is not God's will for you to be living and having less, your kids to be doing without stuff, you to be having less because gas prices are higher. It is not God's will. He, he intends for us by the word of God to live above it. And he said that in this day, when all this stuff is transpiring and it's happening already and will escalate, that money miracles will be common in this day. That's why... One really important reason, he wants you to be in faith. Money miracles will be common in this day. And he told me several things. He said, money will be multiplied. Do not ask me how God does this, but I tell you he does it. He multiplies money. He said, bills will be paid off supernaturally. Some of them will be paid off by people, where people come up to you and say, I want to pay off your bill. And that's, that's fine, but that's not, that wasn't even the one that he really stressed to me the most. He said, bills will be paid off by disappearing. Bills will disappear. This has happened before in the body of Christ. This is not uncommon that bills disappear, and we don't know what happened to them. How, how did that happen? If you are expecting... Believing and expecting, you will see things you couldn't see before. You will see money. I, I remember Brother Copeland talking about uh, 
not having any money for to feed his kids, and he's on a trip. He put all the money in the car for gas, and he had no money to feed his kids, and the kids are hungry, and they're on a, going to minister. They're in the car going to minister somewhere. He's driving down the road, and he said, Gloria, some money just blew across the highway. I never see anything on the highway. That would be a miracle. But, you know, if we're expecting God to show up, we'll see it. And so he turned around and went back, and sure enough, a $20 bill was hanging on a fence. You know, in West Texas, wind's blowing, it'll hang on, the tumbleweeds will hang on a fence. Hallelujah. Well, a $20 bill was hung up there on the fence, and that's just enough to take the kids to McDonald's, you know, especially back then when, when Brother Copeland was going to meetings in cars. Hallelujah. You could feed them fine for $20. Anyway, money found. He said, the Lord said, gas in tanks will be multiplied. And then the next thing the Lord said is there were there in these last days these things will be common. I believe they're already starting to be common. But there will be angelic deliveries. There will be angels bring you stuff and you will think a man brought you something, but it was really an angel. An angelic deliveries. And what the Holy Spirit said after he gave me these things that would be common in, in our day, right now, in this day, this day, common, common. He said, you get in faith about the scriptures, those scriptures I just gave you, and there's many more, and add more to your list. Hallelujah. And I will take care of the rest. You get in faith about the scriptures. You can't really get in faith and say, Lord, I want an angel to deliver me food. But you can get in faith about, we will never lack. My, uh, the, the righteous will never be forsaken. My kids will never beg for bread. Our God, you need to teach your kids that God will supply. God will supply this. If we need it, God will supply it. Amen. Uh, there's more, Pastor. What do I do about that? Amen. And it's going to get everybody in faith. Hallelujah. And um, praise God, we're not having lack. 